0: well good morning welcome to the shores church today so excited to be with you we're in week four of our series dinner guests we're looking at individuals from the easter story that jesus wanted invited to the table he wanted them to have proximity to the gospel message in week one and two we looked at judas and barabbas Two individuals that were definitely within sin, Judas betraying Jesus, Barabbas being a murderer, but Jesus wanted them to have proximity to the gospel. Last week we looked at Mary, the mother of Jesus, and how Mary represents somebody who was in emotional distress, emotional struggle, and how Jesus wanted her invited to the table. And today we're going to be looking at Joseph of Arimathea. And he represents somebody who has a different belief structure, but that Jesus wants invited to the table to have proximity to be able to ask questions, to experience life change. But before I dive into his story today, would you repeat with me? Your word is written in my mind. Your word is hidden in my heart. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will seek you with all of my strength. I choose to live my life according to your word. Your word, O Lord, is eternal. So Joseph is only mentioned four times in scripture and each one of these times happens after the crucifixion. They're gonna feel very similar, but I wanna read all four of these passages today Because I believe each one gives us a little bit more detail than the last so we can understand who Joseph of Arimathea really is. So we're going to start today in Matthew chapter 27, reading 57 through 60. So would you read with me this morning? When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was also a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body and wrapped it in the clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away. Now, the next passage we're going to see with Joseph is going to be Mark chapter 15, verses 42 through 46. Let's read this passage now. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council who was also himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died, and summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. And Joseph brought a linen shroud, and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud, and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. The the next passage is Luke chapter 23, verses 50 through 56. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, who had not consented to their decision and action, and he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It was a day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come from him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment. And now the final passage mentioning Joseph is John 19, verses 38 through 42. It says this, After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes and about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. All right, so here's what we can learn from Matthew, Mark, Luke and John's accounts of Joseph of Arimathea. In Matthew, we see the following things that he is from Arimathea, he's a rich man. He's a disciple of Jesus. He prepared the body of Jesus for burial. And that he buried Jesus in a tomb that he cut out and that he rolled the stone or likely him and some other individuals rolled the stone, the, the seal, the tomb. In Mark, we see that he's a respected member of the council, also known as the Sanhedrin, that Joseph took courage as he approached Pilate for the body. Now, the Sanhedrin is a grouping of individuals, Pharisees, Sadducees, potential combination of the two that they would make decisions. There was a lesser Sanhedrin that would exist in all the major cities and then the greater Sanhedrin in Jerusalem that would be kind of that body that things would be appealed to. And so this greater Sanhedrin was involved with this uh, decision to crucify Jesus. And you have Joseph here who is a part of this. He's a respected member of this council. Part of the reason why he had to take courage is he approached Pilate. Now we look in Luke and we see that in Luke, Joseph disagreed with the Sanhedrin. This is part of the reason why he needs to take courage, is that he's disagreeing with the body that he's a part of about what should have happened to Jesus, and he wants to take care of Jesus's body in this, in this moment. But ultimately, we see the real reason in John's account of why Joseph needed to take courage as he approached Pilate. And the reason is this, is that Not only was he a disciple of Jesus, but he was a secret disciple of Jesus. He was a secret follower. He had not really went public yet that he was a follower of Jesus. But this moment here, taking care of Jesus' body, was going to make him go public. It was going to take things and make it uh, out there where people would know that this guy is following after Jesus, that he might be a respected member of the Sanhedrin, but he is a follower of Jesus, that he had a lot to lose in this process. We also see that he was joined by Nicodemus in taking care of the body of Jesus. And we need to look at who Nicodemus is. It kind of references it in the passage. But if we go back and we read John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15, we're going to see who he really is. So let's read this passage together. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. So Nicodemus is a Pharisee and also a member of the Sanhedrin. It's just uh, as likely that Nicodemus, who went to Jesus at nighttime to have this conversation from John chapter 3, that Joseph probably likely had a very similar moment. We don't see it play out in scripture at all. We only see Joseph of Arimathea show up after Jesus has been crucified, but we can safely assume that if he was a member of the, the council of the Sanhedrin, as Nicodemus was, and Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, and that Joseph was a secret disciple of Jesus, that he probably had a very similar John 3 moment that Nicodemus had. We see throughout all of scripture that, or especially the the gospel account, that there's individuals, Pharisees and Sadducees, who are trying to trip up Jesus. It's almost as if this council was sending their individuals to go and listen to Jesus, to ask questions of Jesus, to try and trip up Jesus, but you can't trip up Jesus because Jesus knew what was coming and he knew the heart in which things were asked. So Nicodemus and Joseph probably are some of the individuals that are sent on a regular basis to listen to Jesus, to watch Jesus, to observe Jesus. And they start off by having a different philosophy. They're not agreeing with Jesus. They don't have the same uh, convictions, the same beliefs. But as they spend time in proximity to Jesus, they begin to change. And that's the first point I want to pull out today, is that when individuals who have different belief structures are allowed opportunity to come close to Jesus and they're granted proximity to the gospel, their life changes. That Jesus would have had the ability to the pick and choose who he was around just like you and i do that if i'm around a certain company i might bring up certain topics but if i'm around a different uh, company i'm not going to bring up certain things i know that this might upset them this might excite them and i am intentional about what i say where i say it and who i say it around so jesus would have had that ability but when he realized that there was individuals Who didn't believe yet the same way but they were in proximity to the gospel jesus was intentional about speaking truth that jesus wanted joseph at the table and in fact he wanted nicodemus at the table he wanted them to have proximity to the gospel message he wanted them to be dinner guests because if they would sit down and if they would engage with jesus their life could be changed and that their life could be transformed now it's one of the things here at this church We desire that everybody could come in and have a relationship and grow in the ways of God. That it doesn't matter if this is your first time here or you've been a part of this church for 20 years, you're gonna hear the same material because we want you to grow, we wanna grow together. That it might hit you differently on week one versus year 20, but we're gonna hear the same thing and we're gonna grow together. It's why you can walk in and not ever give a single dollar to this church, or you could have given a million dollars to this church, You're going to hear the same material because I want you to grow. I want you to experience Jesus. I want you to be in proximity to the gospel because I believe that if Jesus enters your life and changes you, then everything else is going to fall in place. You're going to be a follower after Jesus. You're going to experience life change. You're going to have radical uh, differences in your life that I don't need to do anything. I believe the Holy Spirit can come in and completely change. And so as a church, we just want people to have proximity to the gospel and we want them to be in the area. And so we just teach, and we teach consistently, believing that God can do what God has always done and what uh, Jesus can do what Jesus has always done. The second thing I want to pull out of these passages of Scripture is this, is that Nicodemus and Joseph were allowed to ask questions. We see in the case of Joseph that he's a secret disciple. We don't see what that process looks like for him, but we can assume with Nicodemus in John 3 Joseph probably had that similar moment where Nicodemus was allowed to go and ask questions. A lot of times people don't like asking questions because they might feel stupid. They might feel like they don't have enough knowledge. They don't have enough wisdom. They might feel like it's a silly question. And when we allow people the opportunity to ask questions, when we give them that opportunity, people start learning. You don't learn when you don't ask questions. That a lot of times you can be in a conversation, you can hear information, but if you don't ask the question to move it from head knowledge into true understanding, you miss out. And when we don't allow that process to happen with Christianity, it might be head knowledge, but it never becomes heart knowledge. And it doesn't become what we do. It doesn't become who we are, who we live, how we want to look like Jesus Christ. So we need to allow individuals to ask questions. Jesus allowed individuals to ask questions. Now, one of the things you see how he plays out with Nicodemus in that passage, he was very intentional of pushing him and challenging him and wanting him to grow because you're a teacher of the law and you don't know this. And there's moments throughout the gospel messages where Jesus is going after the Pharisees and accusing them and, and calling them names and challenging them because they're intentionally trying to catch Jesus. Jesus knew when the person's heart was pure and needed to be stretched, and he knew when their heart was trying to trap Jesus, and he would call them out on that as well. So we have to allow people to have proximity to the gospel. We need to allow people to ask questions. Then the next thing is this, is we need to allow people to work out their faith. We have Nicodemus, we have Joseph, that both of these individuals were following a different pattern, that they were following a a different understanding of what the Old Testament represented, that a different understanding of what God was going to do long term. And Jesus rocked their world. Jesus wasn't what they were looking for. Jesus wasn't what they expected. And so they got proximity. They were allowed to start asking questions. And they were given an opportunity to work out their faith. I think one of the injustices that Christianity does to individuals who are new in their faith is the expectation that you should have it all together right away. If you've been following after God for any length of time, you realize that who you are now is drastically different than who you were at at the beginning of the journey. Now, yes, at the beginning of the journey, you usually see some rapid growth, but at the same time, you see rapid growth, and then you see a step back, and then you see rapid growth, and you see a step back. It's a process, and that the more you grow, the more those step backs are less significant. They're not as big of a deal a lot of times. Think when a child is learning to walk, they might take that first step or two and then they fall down. And then they stand up and they take 10 steps and then they fall down. And then they take 20 steps and then they fall down. And then they start learning to climb stairs and then they might slip and fall. They learn to start running and then they trip and fall down. That you get kids who know how to to walk and run and climb that all of a sudden they get their puberty, and then all of a sudden uh, their feet get bigger quicker, and so they start tripping again, just like they did back when they were kids. There's processes that get us to adulthood in our physical bodies, in our spiritual bodies, our spiritual minds is the same way. It's a process that gets us from the into, uh, infancy stage all the way to maturity in Christ, to go from being on milk to being on meat to understanding what God's really saying. We need to work with people. We need to allow people to work out their faith. Jesus allowed Nicodemus, Jesus allowed Joseph to work out their faith so that they could have a relationship with with Jesus, that he allowed them to be at the table to be dinner guests before other people might say that they deserve to be because Jesus knew that if they were given proximity, they were allowed to ask questions and that they were allowed to work out their faith, the change could happen. And then the last step is simply this, that they stepped into their faith. There is a moment for each of them, for Nicodemus and for Joseph, where they had to go public. That we see these four accounts, and that Matthew, Mark, and Luke don't identify that Joseph is a secret follower. They say that he was a disciple, that he was seeking the kingdom of God. So we understand, like, oh... Joseph, he was a follower, but John identifies it that he was a secret follower because there's a moment where he went from secret follower to follower, where he went from private to public, where he would put all the chips in the middle of the table, where he said, I am following after Jesus. There is something about that crucifixion moment for Joseph where he realized Jesus is who Jesus said he was. And I fully believe in him that I'm laying it all out, I'm putting my wealth in the middle of the table. I'm putting my stature and community in the middle of the table, my um, admittance into the Sanhedrin in the middle of the table, that it's all here. I'm taking courage because I believe that Jesus is who Jesus said he is. And I'm pushing it all in. And why did he do it? Because Jesus had given him proximity. Jesus had allowed him to ask questions. That Jesus had allowed him to work out his faith. And in this moment that Joseph is making that step and saying, I'm all in, let's do this that people are going to see who I am, but it's because it's who I am. This morning, I want to present this opportunity to you that you might be sitting in in your home. You might be sitting in your car. You might be on your lunch break. I don't know where you are when you're watching this video. But this very day, you can say, I've been trying to work out my faith. I've been asking questions. I've had proximity. But I would maybe call myself a secret follower. This is the day where you can go public with it i want you right now that in just a moment i'm going to pray for you i want you to say jesus come in i'm all in i want to live my life for you i'm giving it all to you i'm going to even challenge you that once we pray i want you to drop something in the comments below and say you know what i'm all in on jesus The game on that i'm not secret anymore i want to be a public follower of jesus go on your facebook page uh your your instagram twitter wherever it is tag the shores church let us know that you are going public with your faith that you're no longer a secret follower that you have worked out that faith and you are stepping into that faith and no matter what it means you are walking in the ways of jesus christ the other thing i want to throw out there is for any of you that are watching that you you hear this and you know somebody who is going through this process walk the process with them don't expect somebody to just figure it out if they've come from a different belief structure altogether. Allow them proximity to the gospel. That might be inviting them over for dinner at your house. That might be inviting them to a Bible study. That might be inviting them to an anchor group. It might be inviting them to a Sunday morning service. Start the process of giving them proximity to the gospel. Be ready to allow them to ask questions. You might not know the answers, but if you don't know the answer right away, go and research it and find it out for yourself. Come and ask me, let's work together so we can give answers to those individuals. Allow them to work out their faith. Don't expect them to be perfect because people didn't expect you to be perfect. And if they did, they shouldn't have. But if they did to you, you can be better for the next person. Let's allow people to work out their faith and figure out who Jesus is and what Jesus wants to do in their life so that they can step into their faith. As Christians, that's our goal, to bring people into proximity, to allow them to ask questions, to allow them to work out their faith and then step into their faith and go public with them wanting to follow after Jesus Christ. I want to pray for you today because you're either in one of those camps that you need to take that public step, that public declaration that you're following Jesus, or we need to be praying for individuals that need to make that journey. So let me pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for my friends as they're watching this right now. Lord, if they need to make that public declaration, going from private to public, just like Joseph did, Lord, I pray right now that you would just move in their life, that they would go public and say, I am a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm excited to say so. Lord, I pray right now that you would just give them the words, you'd give them the, uh, that prayer, that they would know that you are real, that you are moving in their life, and that you want to change and transform them forever, God. And Lord, for the rest of my friends as they're watching this and say, I've been following Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would put people in our path, you would put people in our path that we would be able to give them proximity to the gospel, that we'd be willing to allow them to ask questions and ask the difficult questions, that we'd be able to give them answers or we'd research and find the answers to give to them. We would allow them to work out their salvation and that we would allow them to step into their faith and make that public declaration of who you are. Because you did it for us, you can do it for them. But I pray that you give us the boldness when those opportunities come to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we go to close today, I want to remind you that if you just made that decision to go private, to public, to say, I'm a follower of Jesus, again, drop it in the comments below. Uh, throw it up there on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or any of our social media and say that um, I'm a follower of Jesus and... I'm excited about what the Shory Church is doing, whatever you want to say. But now I want us to end in this great commission. I want us to, to, as a church, say that our goal is to go out and make disciples. So would you repeat with me this morning? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I hope you have a great rest of your day. I look forward to being back with you next week as we finish this series on Dinner guests.